Do you feel that you're losing the battle with looking and feeling your best? Stop! Welcome to Body Balance Talk with your host, Jeannie Schmidt, along with Lucy and Madeline. Your body has an outstanding ability to heal itself and stay healthy. It's up to you to get the process started. Now, here's the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Body Balance Talk. I'm Lucy Hewitt, nutritional therapist. And I'm Madeline Hewitt. And I'm Jeannie Schmidt, PharmD, and we're so glad to have you join us for our show today. We'll be having a discussion about the best appliances and tools to have in your kitchen when you're eating the body balance way. And speaking about eating the body balance way, um, I think one of the most popular things if you go to the bookstores now or you go to Barnes & Noble online or, or any of these other ones like Amazon is you'll see all of these books and programs on the paleo diet, which is is really positive because overwhelmingly um, eating that way is going to be a huge, huge benefit compared to the way that the standard American diet is going for people in this country right now. So we think that that's something that's very, very positive. However, sometimes we're in our classes um, and, and teaching whatever we're going on, teaching in the nutrition, and people think that that's what we're talking about. What The body balance way of eating is not actually a paleo way of eating. Now, there's a lot of similarities, and one of the biggest similarities is taking grains out of your diet. That would be one big similarity. But uh, we like to tell people in the nutrition class to not necessarily go and get those cookbooks that are paleo cookbooks or look online for paleo recipes for one big reason, and that's that those recipes we find, almost every single one of them seems to have sugar in them. So that could be agave or honey or uh, like two cups of dates that are that are ground up. Um, sometimes they even just have sugar in them or what they call natural cane sugar and so we don't we don't promote people eating foods that have these added sugars in them for a variety of reasons that we're not going to get into right now but just to be sure that uh, when you're working on eating this way the body balance way the the point here is to remove these sugars out of your diet and including removing these grains and another great big difference with the paleo diet is that 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 the paleo diets really recommend eating quite a bit of protein. It's kind of classified as a high-protein diet. And what we're talking about here in Body Balance is not a high-protein diet. It would be eating enough protein. So that would be about three to four ounces of protein. Uh, if you happen to measure that, you know, I don't have a scale. I don't know what three or four ounces is. It would be a piece of steak or chicken that would fit into the palm of your hand for a woman and maybe for a man, a little bit of a bigger piece that might cover more of your fingertips and your palm. But if you weighted it, it would be about three to four, maybe, maybe five ounces But we're not promoting people eating 200 or 150 grams of protein in one day. So we just want to make that clear for people. And the other thing is that we've actually been speaking with a number of people, just running into conversations with people that are eating paleo. And some of this, I think, that um, is happening is maybe they're misunderstanding their diet a little bit. But um, I just ran into somebody yesterday, and two comments that he had is that he really didn't enjoy the diet at all. He said, oh, I'm eating paleo now. Surprise, surprise. And I'm not feeling a whole lot better, but I really hate 
the food. It's really awful. I have to eat this icky food that I really don't like. Uh, And then the other thing is that he said that he's constipated. And when we checked with him, he really wasn't eating vegetables. Now, I'm sure that if you are eating paleo, that vegetables are part of that diet. So you want to be sure that if if you are going to go that route, you you don't want to be eating a diet that's all meat, and then that's it, meat, and then desserts that you make that have sugar in them. That's, that's, I, I really don't think that that's what the paleo diet suggests, but my real recommendation would be to seek out this body balance way of eating that's going to be the right amount of protein for you and not excess protein. And the other thing that body balance talks about here is really increasing your fats and not eating just lean cuts of meat, but actually have plenty of fat in your meat and then more fat on top of that, meaning plenty of coconut oil, plenty of avocados, plenty of pasture butter, plenty of some of these other great oils that are good for for everybody. And that would be having those oils and those fats in every single meal. And then going back to what I had mentioned before of really, really working to not be having these added sugars. And so then you go back to this person I was talking to and he says, well, I really don't like the food that I'm eating. Now, that's not going to give you sustainability. So we promote people making these special recipes and absolutely you make things that do have a sweet taste for the meantime. And that's what's going to get you through, meaning giving you lots and lots of satisfaction with what you're eating, as well as getting plenty of fat and getting plenty of vegetables, meaning a minimum of nine cups of vegetables in your day. So I just like to point that out just because of the popularity of the paleo diet and knowing that that's a huge, huge uh, improvement on the standard American diet. But the paleo diet is not what we're talking about here. It has some similarities, but it has some great differences. And the greatest difference being that what we're promoting people eating is a diet that you really like. You love the food. And um, so to keep that in mind, that when you're changing your eating pattern, we really encourage you not to think of it as now I need to give up foods. So have you ever heard yourself think or say, well, I can't have cheese. I can't have bread. I can't have this and I can't have that. And, you know, it really gets very restricting for people and it's negative. It's negative for you. And it's also negative for anybody that's around you that's hearing you talk about all these foods that you can't have anymore. So instead, what we really challenge you to do is change your mindset to one of the great possibilities of all these wonderful foods you will now be adding and incorporating into your food plan. And they might be some new exciting foods like ground chia seeds, flax seeds, varieties of vegetables that you don't normally have cooked or even eaten raw in different ways that you haven't had before. Maybe meats that you aren't used to eating, maybe like some bison, or maybe you haven't had a beef roast in years, or maybe a pork roast. You say, the last time I had a pork roast was 40 years ago. So incorporating some of these foods in can actually be exciting. And then greens, such as something called spirulina, and all kinds of different fats and oils. And to prepare these different foods, you're going to need some different appliances and some different tools in your kitchen. And some appliances you already have in your kitchen, we would really recommend not using anymore. 
So rather than thinking, I'm gonna, now I'm going to have to add all these appliances, I really don't have a lot of room in my kitchen. It's a little bit about kind of like cleaning out your cabinets from all the brown sugar and powdered sugar and white rice and things like that. Well, you might be cleaning out some other appliances that you don't need anymore. And one of those just might be, now hang on to your chair. I don't want anyone falling off your chair. One of those appliances might just be your microwave. Ah! Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, yes, and I did say your microwave. And yes, it is true that we recommend people not use a microwave. And first, you're going to actually find that it's usually faster to heat something on top of the stove or even possibly heat it up in the oven. And will you get sick and have horrible symptoms if you use a microwave? Of course not. But you need to know that the microwaves change the energetics of your food and that we understand that all the world is not only chemistry and molecules, but it's also, and more importantly, it's energetics. And more and more and more forward thinkers are starting to think more in energetics. And that's what we're going to encourage you to do is think that your, your food carries energy. So imagine that you have something growing outside in some great fertile soil with the sun shining on it, those sun rays are shining on it and then you pick that and then you eat that right then. That is going to have different energetics in that food than if you pick that before it's ripe and then you put it in some sort of a truck and then you spray it with some kind of uh, chemicals to help it ripen because it's going to be in a dark truck and then it travels for maybe a week or four days across the country and then it's put into a store and then it finishes ripening. Now the energetics of that food is going to be different from energetics that you just pick the food right outside. So I'm not suggesting everybody needs to only pick food from outside. I'm just using that as an illustration because I think you would understand that those two foods carry different energetics and your body is going to see that differently. And so when you use a microwave that changes the energetics of the food, it's not going to make it super unhealthy so everybody's going to get sick. That's not what I'm talking about here. It's just that that's not going to be optimal energetics and your body's going to be able to tell the difference. And so what we suggest is go ahead and try it for a week and don't use your microwave. Just have a little experiment and see what it's like for you. And instead, put your food in a pan on top of the stove and heat it up. So for instance, say that you go, I'm going to put this uh, leftovers from last night in this dish and put it in the microwave. Just instead, put it in a saucepan and heat it up on top of the stove. And now it's summer, so most people don't want to put foods in the oven. But when it's fall and winter time, think, you know what, I can get out a glass dish and just put this food in the oven and go away and do something else for five, 10 minutes and you come back and that food is going to be heated up. So we, we suggest do that for a week. And you might notice that that lack of that buzzing noise in your kitchen is actually stress relieving for you. I'm going to try and make that noise going on in your kitchen. And you, you put that in there and then the door bangs, bang, bang. And then somebody else goes and puts something in there. And that kitchen has this constant humming sound of that microwave without that sound you just might find that your stress level actually decreases and you enjoy your experience in your kitchen better and here's something else if you have a bread maker 
you're probably not going to need that anymore. So that might make a nice gift for somebody else, or maybe your neighbors are looking for a bread maker. And a deep fryer would be another thing if you have that you could just start to clear those things out of your kitchen to make way for some of these appliances that Lucy and Madeline will be talking about. Um, another thing might possibly be a mixer. And I know I, I know that the mixer is probably close to your heart because a mixer drums up these memories of baking Christmas cookies and baking birthday cakes. And so I do really understand how close that some people are to their mixer. And so if you're not really close to your mixer and you haven't been using it anyway, consider give, giving that away. If you can't give it away right now, what we suggest is getting some of these other appliances and making these other foods. And, you know, just let yourself grieve a little bit over time. Maybe it'll take you two years, but eventually you're going to find you probably don't need to have that great big mixer and that can move out of your kitchen. You know, that happened to me. I used to be really into baking when I was in high school and I would bake for like hours and hours every week. And my, I got a KitchenAid mixer. I got a pink one for Christmas, and it was like the best thing I ever had in my entire life. And then when I started to change the way that I ate, I didn't really think about like, well, now I'm not using my mixer. But I just realized that I don't think I've used that for at least four years, like once at all. And um, that, I mean, I completely agree with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's a big appliance usually if you have one of those real nice ones like those KitchenAid mixers and it's kind of a hard thing to give away and it, they carry a lot of memories if you're somebody that really enjoys baking. But the good news here is that you still bake. There still are plenty of things that, that you can be baking, and but you it, but they, they don't require a mixer. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that you have to say, I'm never, ever going to bake again. And an instance might be the lemon poppy seed tea cakes or the macaroons you go or the chocolate cake all three of those you would bake and you put in your oven and it's it's just I mean you really are baking you put something on a cookie sheet and put it in the oven or you put it in a cake pan and it smells up your house and everything smells great and you have these wonderful baked goods but they don't take a mixer and these are foods that are much, 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 much better for your health. So we highly suggest that. So Lucy's going to help us just dive into this exciting show talking about new appliances and tools in your kitchen. Yes, absolutely. So we came up with this list thinking through, well, what, what tools are the most versatile and which ones do you really need to be able to make some of these new recipes that we uh, want to be making? And we have eight things to share with you. So the first two are easy switchovers, stainless steel cookware. So most of us have pots and pans and frying pans, but we want to have stainless steel ones. So if you look through your kitchen and you have those non-stick ones or those Teflon coated ones um, or any aluminum cookware, throw those out, give those away and switch to stainless steel. So the problem with, with non-stick, so the reason you want stainless steel is that some of these other ones do have health problems to them. So the non-stick pans are coated with a coating that's toxic. And this was created 
in about 70 years ago, and that's when these nonstick pans became popular. And this is, was when people were using a lot less fat. So the nonstick pans were very useful. But now we're using more fat, so that's not necessarily a necessity. Um, but the nonstick coating is toxic. When heated, that nonstick coating starts to break down and it ends up emitting over six toxins into the air and into the food that's being cooked. So then when you're eating any food that's cooked in your frying pan or your, your nonstick saucepan or if you're baking with nonstick, you're getting those toxins in that food. And one of them, for example, is called perfluorooctanoic acid. I know those toxins always have long words. And that's a known carcinogen. So these toxins are very harmful for our health. Aluminum pans aren't any better. Just recognize that these are the ones that are usually quite inexpensive and pretty flimsy and probably pretty shiny. That's the aluminum. And the problem with aluminum is that it's a reactive metal and it causes problems with excessive exposure. So if you're using a lot of aluminum with your food, that metal starts to react and then when it's in your food and you eat it, that aluminum is going to react and cause problems in your body. So stick with the stainless steel ones. And a basic set of cookware could be a saucepan, a frying pan, and a saute pan. That's a very basic set. We would recommend that you have different sizes of all of those. So have a big saucepan, and that's going to be allowing you to steam your vegetables or cook your soup, maybe a medium-sized soup. Um, a frying pan, have a big frying pan so you can make a family-sized amount of food. Or maybe you're cooking up a bunch of meat for the rest of the week. And then a saute pan, that's a bigger looking frying pan that has sides on the edges. And that can be for meat as well as making stir fries. And then you can have big ones of those and then have the small ones. So if you're making a single serving of anything, then it's a lot easier for you to just make a food and then quickly clean your pan after you're done. So it's time for a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the storage containers. Remember, we're taking callers. So give us a call at one 472 5792 And we want to hear all of your questions and comments. We'll be back soon. Your life. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. 
Cancer is not something to be taken lightly. But instead of being talked at by doctors, medical providers, and others, wouldn't it be nice to hear from a host who has worked at the Cancer Coalface for 38 years as a caregiver, supporter for 14,000 patients, and who has had the experience of having a life-threatening condition herself? You will hear the stories of survivors and other people who work in breakthrough cancer medicine. Navigating the Cancer Maze with host Grace Goller will help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. To reach us with your questions and comments, please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now back to the show. Hello, welcome back to Body Balance Talk. This is Lucy along with Madeline and Jeannie. And Jeannie, you have some things to add about the cookware. Yeah, in terms of the cookware, some people have the iron clad or the iron cast iron. That's what it is. And that's not necessarily good or bad. It really depends on you. And um, just knowing that any of these metals like the um, aluminum, the problem with that is you actually absorb the aluminum in your body. And we know that aluminum has this link towards Alzheimer's, just like the aluminum in deodorant. And so the problem with those aluminum pans is you get aluminum in your system. Well, the same with if you have cast iron, you're going to get iron into you. Now, some people, that's a good thing because if you're low on iron, then that's going to be positive for you. However, there's a number of people, it's pretty common to actually be too high in iron. And so you don't want to just blindly use cast iron pans, especially if you're using them every single day and using them a lot and getting a significant amount of iron, unless you know that that's going to be good for you. And so if you just use a cast iron pan once a month, it doesn't really matter if you know your iron status or probably even once every two weeks. But this I'm talking about if you're going to use that for all of your pans. So the iron is something that could be good for some people. It could be very bad for other people. And then there's also copper. There's the copper pans where... That too, copper can lead to copper toxicity and has to for a number of people. So copper is usually not something that people are low in and need to get some kind of pans to increase their copper intake, like would be possible with iron. And so in general, we don't recommend the copper pans for people. And again, it's like the iron that if you use a copper pan once, once in a great while, it's not a big deal. It's if you're using this on an ongoing basis. And so and then there are some other types of materials too, like there's some sort of porcelain. You know, what you're looking for in these pans is something that's going to be non-reactive. So that's what it, the aluminum is reactive. The uh, 
iron is reactive and the copper is reactive. So to be safe, you want to get something that's not going to be reactive. And that's why we're recommending the stainless steel, knowing that there are a few other types of cookware out there that usually they're not just going to be in the store. Uh, You're going to have to look online. And we know Dr. Mercola online, he has some sort of cookware that's, I'm really not too sure if it's porcelain. It's ceramic. Oh, ceramic. That's what it is. So that would be another great choice. Yeah, and for ceramics, he's tested it to make sure there's no heavy metals in it, which would Mm -hmm. leach into your food. Yeah, and so then we move on to the glass food storage containers. Mm -hmm. Most people always use plastic containers or plastic bags or plastic wrap, and we recommend that you get rid of the plastic and switch to glass food storage containers. And these are going to be a lot less um, contaminated, or yeah, they, it's really the same topic. Is that food? Yeah, they're not reactive. So yes. it's really on the same topic as the cookware. In general, everything that you have in your kitchen and around you, as much as possible, you want to get that you're not off-gassing things or you're not absorbing chemicals that you don't want in your body. And that's why we're talking about the plastic containers. Mm-hmm. Yes, and plastics specifically contain toxins that disrupt your hormone balance. So PVC would be one of them, and BPAs, or bisphenol A, is another one, and it specifically disrupts your estrogen balances. And these are especially damaging when you heat the plastic, and I think most people know about that, that the toxins become leached into the food when you heat it, but this still happens even if the food isn't hot or even if the container stays cold, some of those toxins get leached into your food. So instead, you can find quite a variety of different glass storage food containers. And Pyrex is a pretty known brand, and those ones have those rubber snap-on tops. That could be something that you would use. Or there's different ones that have snap-on lids that actually have edges to them. They snap, 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 and that's going to prevent the food from spilling out. And I know what people are thinking. You're thinking, well, I have these plastic containers that it says that they're Mm BPA-free. And um, so that's just a little bit of another ploy because there's, it's called bisphenol A. Well, there's bisphenol, a whole bunch of letters like bisphenol M and bisphenol P and a whole bunch of different ones. And so just because it doesn't have bisphenol A doesn't mean it doesn't have other bisphenols in it. So uh, you, you really can't just think, well, I my plastic is going to be safe because it doesn't have any BPA in it. So we really, really recommend just as much as you can to get rid of the plastic. And we understand that nobody is going to have a life where you have no plastic around you. That's unrealistic in this day and age. However, the food containers that you put your leftovers in or freeze food in, that's super easy to just switch those ones and just get get one of those big boxes of glass containers containers that sometimes you can't find them in the stores anymore. So just go online. And I know Macy's has some, Target has some. You just go online and put in glass food storage containers and you can find a number of different choices where you can just buy the whole set of them. And while you're at it, once you really start cooking and all of that, you might even need two sets of those. So Mm -hmm. what about those cans that say they're BPA-free, like canned olives? Yeah, so that that is maybe going to be 
um, you, you really don't know what it has in it. So any kinds of cans are not going to be your best bet. And again, we understand nobody's going to ever live their entire life with no plastics and no cans ever. So if you have a choice such as tomato sauce, now those come in some cartons. And same with pumpkin. So things that only used to come in cans, some manufacturers now, um, and they're usually the good manufacturers, and they're usually the organic ones and the ones that are more thoughtful about food, they're putting those into these um, cartons instead. So we suggest if you can buy something that's in the carton instead, go for it, even if it says that it's BPA-free. However, if you go, here's the can, I have to buy the can, and this one says BPA-free and this one isn't, I'm going to just guess the BPA-free is probably the better one for you. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about kind of like a ladder. Best, better, better, worst, <laughs> wor- not as good as the worst, you know, all of that. It comes on a whole range. Mm-hmm. Yes, and there's also a lot of foods that are packed in glass containers, like olives that are in glass jars. So you could go with those ones instead of the canned ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And plastic wrap, too. Yes. Yeah. So instead of using the plastic wrap, just put your leftovers right into that glass container and then put that in the fridge. And if you need to use the plastic wrap, you could put your food, like say it's a bowl of salad or some kind of bowl of something that you're going to put in the fridge. You could put the plastic wrap over it where it doesn't touch the food mm-hmm. if you didn't have some other lid for that container. So you might still buy plastic wrap, but what you don't want is for the plastic to be all over your food. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So this, the third thing that we're going to talk about today, the third tool is the crock pot. And we talk a lot about crock pots on the radio show. But this is really essential for anybody who has a busy life, who wants to eat well, and doesn't want to spend tons of time in the kitchen. And it's very, very easy. It's probably easier than even making a salad to use the crock pot. And last week we talked about making a crock pot chicken or a crock pot roast. So that's one excellent way to use your crock pot. And the other thing too about crock pots, we talk about it, you know, just for busy people and that, but say that you're not really very busy and that you have a life of leisure. Um, I would still suggest a crock pot because crock pot roasts are just not to be beat. I mean, to me, they taste way better than roasts in the oven because they're just so amazingly moist. Crock pots Mm -hmm. are the best. Yes, yes. I was just thinking I need to start up another beef roast. (laughs) They're so good. So those are good for a roast. And protein is usually the hardest one for people to come by to prepare ahead of time or to cook. Um, But you could also use your crock pot for a one-dish meal. And we wouldn't necessarily recommend putting everything in at once. So that would take a little more finagling there. Um, But one recipe could be a slow-roasted tomato sauce. And that's a way to make your own homemade tomato sauce that's just delicious. Uh, and remember when we, soup? Yep, the soup. And a couple of shows ago, we talked about 
um, it, we were talking about aspartame and methanol, yeah. and we kind of went off on the topic that there's actually quite a bit of methanol in certain foods, and one of those are tomatoes. And the way, and then methanol is toxic to your brain, so that's the reason you don't want to have that. And so, to not have that effect, if you're going to be somebody that tomatoes agree with you and do real well, is you make this uh, tomato sauce that you're cooking for a minimum of three hours, but the the trick here is that you have to have the lid off. If you have the lid on, the methanol isn't going to float off into the air and leave the tomato sauce. And so this would be an example of you could use your crock pot to make that slow cooking tomato sauce that has some great ground beef or Italian sausage in it and let it cook. Now, it's tricky because you leave the lid off. So that could get dried up. So you might have to, the first time you make it, just keep an eye on it and be sure that you're not evaporating off all the liquid and it gets super dry. You might have to add a little bit of li- liquid in there. Mm-hmm. The recipe calls for about a cup, but just put two or even three cups in and, and that'll prevent it from burning. Mm-hmm. And pork roasts are good too. I think a lot of people don't really think of pork um, just thinking of, well, the meat I eat, I'm only going to eat chicken and that's going to be the only meat. But we really encourage you to branch, branch out and eat some other ones. Like, um, Madeline, don't you eat bison? Oh, yeah. Bison. and I eat lots of different types of meat. Um, duck? And duck is my absolute favorite food ever. But that's not something I would make in the crock pot. I would make uh-huh. that in the oven. Uh-huh. Um, and lamb. All yep, different a lamb roast would be good. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Lots of different things. Somebody mm-hmm. mentioned turtle the other day. I haven't had turtle, but I would definitely try that. And there's rabbit. Oh, yeah. I haven't had that either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it really is easy to use a crock pot. So many people think that it that you need a really elaborate recipe to use it. But just putting a chicken and water in there, that's really all you would need to have something basic. And then you can make it fancier if you'd like. But when you're shopping for a crock pot, get one that's big enough for a whole chicken. So there's all different types of crock pots out there. There's some that are really fancy with thermometers and digital timers and all of these settings. And then ones that aren't. So you can go with a simpler one. One of the biggest features that you want on a crock pot is that there's an off switch, of course. And a lot of them, you just unplug it and that's the off and then there's a low and then there's a high so you want the temperature to be able to fluctuate between a low temperature and a high temperature most of the recipes that we talk about here you would put on a low temperature but sometimes it's helpful to have that high setting. Yeah, the only reason that we ever use the high setting would be as if we're having some sort of party or something, and then you get your food out of the refrigerator, fill your crock pot, and you have to heat it up kind of fast. Then we would turn it on high, but never use high to cook your chicken or your beef right. roast or any of those roasts at all. Then it becomes more tough. You want to go real long when you use the crock pot, real long and real uh, low temperature to get it to be tender. Mm-hmm. Let's move to number four. Are we on number four? The blender. And the blender is essential. Number three. Nope, we, we talked about three or four. Oh, wherever we, we are on number four. But yep. this, a blender is essential for making shakes. And you can make so many other things in a blender, but shakes 
are easy to make and very convenient to eat. Um, So other things you can make besides a shake could be pureed soups, almond milk. We make the kefir ice cream, any kind of ice cream, almond butter or other nut butters like peanut butter, whipped cream. Madeline, you make whipped cream in there, I think, or maybe not. Um, I, the one thing I actually use a mixer for is whipped cream. That's the only thing I make in my mixer. Okay. So maybe you could use a blender, but maybe not. And then coffee drinks. So you could do a whole variety of your own homemade coffee drinks in your blender. Now, there's lots of different blenders out there. We recommend the Vitamix. And the biggest reason for this is that it's very durable and very versatile. And also, the big thing is that it's powerful, that you almost don't find anything that has the power of a Vitamix. And so we don't really even like to call that a blender because it's, it's, it's really in its own classification. You might use it for things you use a blender for, but a Vitamix has this incredibly powerful motor and why that's so important is if you're making things like nut milks that you it's something like almond milk or cashew milk imagine you have this milk and then there's little tiny chunks of nuts in there well that's what's going to happen if you use a blender that doesn't actually have a super fast speed of those blades or enough power in it and so something like the nut milks you'd want the Vitamix for and even though blenders can blend up ice you're not going to get as smooth of a consistency ever as you do with a Vitamix. And then that's also going to be the same with putting spinach or greens in there, that the Vitamix is, has a super, super fast blade that it's going to grind those foods way down to the cellular level, allowing your body to absorb so much more nutrition from it than if it was in little tiny chunks that you could almost, almost see. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it chops these things up like nuts and kale leaves enough that you can really hide them in your food and it it makes a really nice texture, but then it makes all these foods more nutritious at the same time. And the Vitamix lasts for years. And how long have we had our Vitamix? Maybe over 10 years, I believe. And some people, we hear that they have them for even longer. And if something does break or something seems a little off with your Vitamix, you can call up the company and they have really good customer service. So it's time for another break. We'll continue our talk when we come back. This is Body Balance Talk. We'll be back soon. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. How is your health? Do you want to know more about it? Every day there are new technologies, procedures, and healing techniques coming forward. To understand them, tune in to Speaking of Health with Dr. Michael Cudlis. Our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing. We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. To reach us with your questions and comments, please call into the program today at 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Body Balance Talk. This is Lucy, Madeline, and Jeannie. Yeah, and we were just talking about that Vitamix and a couple other really great points about it is uh, Lucy had mentioned the durability of it and the power of this machine. And in our one of our classes, we make this kefir ice cream and so kefir is with this thick coconut milk that has all the good bacteria in it and then we put a bunch of frozen berries in there and I have to say that the machine and this is a very strong Vitamix it barely can handle that and if we keep it running too long which isn't really that long a few seconds it will start to the motor will start to really strain and so every time I make that I think you know I'm so glad we've got this Vitamix because if we had this in a regular blender there's no way that the power of a blender would be able to work with something this thick and with this um, amount of volume in here in into the Vitamix container so um, if you make some of these foods, they can be really thick. Another one I think is one of those chocolate cakes. You have that oh, in yeah. your Vitamix and it just really, really puts a load on it. And something else about the Vitamix, um, it, the cost where you, you, know, you can look online and find what you can for prices, but be sure that you get one with a variable speed and don't get the dual speed one with low and high. So I just want to point that out. The dual speed one will be less expensive, but it's way worth the extra dollars to get the variable speed. And they're going to be around $350 to $450, something like that, where you might go, oh, my God, that's so expensive. I could never, ever afford that. But we suggest that you start saving up for one and that when you have a Vitamix, you're going to find that you use that every single day. And after a number of weeks or months, if you're living with other people in your house, they're going to be using it. And it's going to start to get this lineup about who gets to use the Vitamix first. So you could easily have two people in your household use that every single day. So that would be over 700 uses a year. And that's only if you have two people. If you have more people in your family, it would be even more. So this would be something that you get a lot, a lot of use out of. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've had an experience here where we hear a lot of people who get the Ninja, and that's a very popular product, and that also has a lot of power. I don't think the power is quite up there. It certainly is not as verse or as um, 
as durable as we hear people say that if you actually start using it like this on a daily basis, that machine will break. And we've had people say that they have to buy a new one about every year. So the, the company doesn't just fix it. The whole thing just breaks. And so it's really up to you. Ninjas are about $100. So if you think, well, I'm just starting out and I think I'm only going to use it once a week, then a ninja is probably going to be okay for you. But once you really get into this way of eating, you're, you're going to want something that you don't have to fool around with and wonder if it's breaking. So we just have that bit of um, advice for everybody out there. So we're great fans of that Vitamix. And then and, I've also used the Nutribullet before. I don't own one, but I've used it a lot at other people's homes. And that one is okay. I actually wouldn't purchase that because it's too small for the types of shakes that we recommend people make. So it's kind of like a single serving smoothie type of thing where like you use the cup that you're going to drink out of as like the blender container. So could and, that be useful for traveling? Yep, it is useful for traveling. I actually love it for traveling because it's easy to put in your suitcase and it's small and it's light and it's just mm-hmm. easy. But it doesn't really work well if you're going to be putting lots of things like hooked cauliflower and like all different types of vegetables and fruits and things in there. Then it's too small. So is that really best for just your shake powder and water or maybe some coconut milk? Yeah, and maybe like if you use like three frozen strawberries, like really small amount of extra stuff. And does it grind up nuts? It does. It grinds up really well. It grinds up ice and nuts and everything. Uh Um, But the other problem is that it's it's kind of like you have a cup, a, a, a plastic cup, and you put all of your smoothie ingredients in, and then you screw on the lid, which has the blades on it. Then you flip it upside down, and then you blend it. Uh-huh. And I find that if it's not made like perfectly, if it's not a perfect organization, then a bunch of stuff gets stuck on the top, and okay. it doesn't blend in like, like protein powder. Or so some good tips there. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's a little bit, it's okay to use. That's why I like it for travel because it's better than not having anything where like you would never bring your Vitamix to a, like a hotel. That would be humongous. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's easy for that. And it's about $89. So if you travel a lot, it's probably worth getting. And what about a dehydrator? Yes, that's another great tool for the kitchen, and we keep finding more and more and more uses for it. And it allows you really, like the purpose to have a dehydrator it, is that it allows you to have such a wider variety of these healthy foods and snacks. You know, and- I can just hear it right now. I'm just having this feeling that people listening on the shore thinking, a dehydrator, I'm not going to get that. Oh, and yeah. so you're thinking that you're going to tune out right now. But this really is an exciting tool so mm-hmm. so tune in Yes. Yeah. Like one big thing that you can make in there are crackers, cauliflower crackers. And right now I'm just going to share what that recipe is because it's amazing. So these crackers, yes, get ready to write it down. These crackers are great as a replacement for crunchy foods, starchy foods, breads, 
when you're when you're switching your diet, you're probably missing some of these things. Oh, and these are amazing. So mm-hmm. delicious. Our only problem yes. is we make these here at the studio and then bam, they're gone. And so yep. em- Emily is somebody who's on staff here and she says, and every time you make those, I don't even get a chance because... <laughs> They're all of a sudden gone. <laughs> yes. So here, take the recipe down and then let us know how, how it goes for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll say one more thing and then I'll start in on the recipe that we've found that this dehydrator is much easier and much faster to use than trying to use the oven. So we've tried using the oven for these crackers and for other things. It just doesn't work as well. So here's the recipe. Here's the ingredients to start. You start with one head of cauliflower and you would rice that up. So you have a raw head of cauliflower, and we'll go into this next step next. But the yeah, next you just cut it up. You yep, just, we'll let's talk. go into the ricing okay, now. Yeah. Right now. Okay, so you just cut the raw cauliflower up into chunks. You throw away the leaves and the stem part, and then you put them in your um, your... I'm blanking on the processor. There we go. Your food processor, you could also use the Vitamix. And you blend it up, and it creates like a rice-like texture, crumbly raw cauliflower. So that's the cauliflower rice. And then you have a pan, a saute pan on the stove. You put in two tablespoons of coconut oil and some chili flakes, about a half a tablespoon of chili flakes. It's kind of a lot. Yes. It, but it really works well. Yep. It's not too spicy. So just trust us. Go ahead with a half a tablespoon of chili flakes and then about a tablespoon of Italian seasonings and then about a tablespoon of rosemary. So lots of herbs and then some salt, some Himalayan salt. For, so maybe about um, two two teaspoons of Himalayan salt. That all goes into the the melting coconut oil on the stove. And you're stirring it. You're letting the coconut oil melt. You're letting the chili flakes start to cook a little bit. That rosemary and the chili flakes are starting to become activated. So once it starts smelling more aromatic, now it's time to add the cauliflower. Oh, I forgot the garlic. But cauliflower goes into the pan. That's the rice. And then two minced cloves of garlic. So those are all chopped up, minced up. That goes in as well. And And it's a good idea to put put the garlic in with the cauliflower in the food processor. Yeah. And then it just, you don't have to chop it separately. It just goes right in that cauliflower. Yep. Just to set a an extra step that you can just skip there. So, And then Lucy, I just wanted to ask you, are you sure about two teaspoons of salt? Yes, it's a lot of salt. Okay. It feels okay. like a lot of salt. Okay. Um, but you could definitely add it slowly and taste it as you go, or you just add what seems reasonable to you, like a teaspoon, and then next time you just know to add more. But I, I think about two teaspoons is the way to go. So you saute now all the spices and the oil and the rice in the pan until the rice is cooked through. Now you don't want the cauliflower to be completely soggy and squishy, but just enough for it to be cooked. Then you remove that from heat. And then in another bowl, so actually you get a bowl out, a mixing bowl, and you put in three fourths cups water. And then you have four tablespoons of whole chia seeds and grind them up. Grind Grind those in the coffee grinder. 
Yep. A coffee grinder is another great tool. You could use the Vitamix if you don't have a coffee grinder. But now you have chia seed powder and you have your bowl of a little bit of water. Mix those together. So add the chia seeds, mix it up. And this is going to create um, a paste, a really thick, goopy substance. It's like glue. Yes. Cement. Yes. yes cement. So just, it's like rubber just, cement. Exactly. Yep. And that's what it's supposed to be. So don't throw it away. <laughs> just keep mixing it until the, the powder, the chia seed powder is completely moistened. Everything is goopy and gooey. And then you add your cauliflower mixture. And now you stir the goopy chia seed mixture with the cauliflower mixture. And it's kind of tricky to combine. You might have to use your hands because it's yeah. very sticky. When I make these, I, there's no way I can mix this with a spoon because of that rubber cement chia seed mixture. So just make sure your hands are clean, obviously, and get in there. And it takes quite a bit of hand muscles. Yeah. But just get that really mixed up. And we forgot an ingredient. So you add a half a cup of coconut flour as well. That goes in with the chia seeds and the cauliflower. So you get all of that all mixed up completely. And then you pat the dough into your dehydrator. So a dehydrator comes with all of these different trays. Make sure when you get one that you have a lot of trays. You'll end up using them, like seven trays. And you pack the dough into the trays uh, and then... Drizzle it with olive oil. Well, and you put it kind of thin, but it's not super thin. I'd say maybe a quarter inch, something like that. And knowing that when it dehydrates, it actually gets a little bit thinner. So you might think you're packing the dough in and you think, oh, these are going to be really thick crackers. But as they dehydrate, Mm -hmm. they get a little bit thinner. Yeah. So you don't have to have them super paper thin. That's not the idea. And you just easily just pat it. It's kind of like a circle shape and like a donut shape that's a circle around. You just yeah. put all your dough in there and use as many layers as you need. Yeah, I like we, the thick parts. Yeah. Yeah. And we end up using two and a half or three of the trays. For so this yours, one batch. Yep. For this one batch. And your your dehydrator might be a circle like that donut shape Jeannie was talking about, or yours might be square with square flat trays. But either oh. way, you just pack it flat um, in two to three trays, and then you drizzle it with olive oil, sprinkle more rosemary on top, and then you turn it to about 135 degrees in the dehydrator. Now, if you don't have... Um, <clears throat> degrees written onto it just put it to its highest setting or put it where um the dehydrated vegetable setting would be yeah so it'd be a good idea when you're purchasing a dehydrator to get one that has temperature settings then you can be a little bit more precise with what you're doing so that would be for people who already don't have one Mm-hmm. Yes. Or make sure it comes with a book that's going to tell you what foods to cook at what setting that's going to help too It takes about 24 hours in the dehydrator to make the crackers. And then all you do is break them into pieces and you can start to eat them. 
These yeah, are these, so good to have with soup too. Yeah, mm -hmm. people, these have wide appeal. People absolutely love these. And now it's summertime. So if you have an herb garden, you can also take some of those, like you could take fresh basil or some of your fresh herbs and get those all chopped up and use that in place of some of the herbs in the pan. And same with all of those different ones and, and the red peppers, you can alter it to different flavors. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And it doesn't work very well in an oven. So that's why the dehydrator comes in useful. But other examples of what you could use in the dehydrator would be kale chips. And when you Beef soak. jerky. Yep. And when you soak and sprout your nuts, you can dry them out in the dehydrator. The jerky is great for traveling. So make up a bunch of that and then you're ready to go. Kale chips, those work in the oven. But we find that it's actually way more convenient, way more tasty, and less chance of burning when you use the dehydrator. And they're about $100. I mean, you can find ones that are much fancier for way more expensive, but you can get a perfectly fine one for about $100. I bet you could find one at a garage sale. Yes, yes, absolutely. So we've reached the end of our show. We want to hear any of your stories about how these appliances have been going for you or any of the recipes have been going for you. You can send us an email at info at mybodybalancenutrition.com or go to our blog and just write a comment right on the blog at mybodybalancenutrition.com. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Be sure to tune in next week. I'm Lucy, along with Madeline and Jeannie. That's our show. Bye, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in this week. Join Jeannie, Lucy, and Madeline for another edition of Body Balance Talk next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, listen to yourself and make it a healthy life ahead.